Hopefully it's at six o'clock when most everybody's shut down everybody's and there's only the left. one guy that questions me. Right. Yeah. He's like, hey, was there something wrong with the network a couple of minutes ago? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I guess everybody logged out and it just it confused it. I don't know. I'll uh Everybody <laughs> left and it stopped. Yep. Yeah, I don't know why. It's like <laughs> high traffic times, we're all good to go. And then everybody leaves. I don't know what happened, dude. It'll probably be good tomorrow tomorrow in the morning. Just uh, you know, just come on in and uh right. you know, let me know. Let me know if uh just give me a call. Yep. <laughs> if, if it's still busted. You don't dig it? I just get enough of that at work. <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, fair point. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, uh-huh. yeah, it's another thing. Gotta go. Nah, I just want to just wanna install Discord. Thanks. Patiently waiting for my Steam Deck. It'll be never, but. Hey, it's not a Librem phone. It's not nah, a. Nah, <laughs> I knew we were both going there. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, we pieify the WireGuard. The history of Nix OS. Will we nix the Nix? <laughs> and TLDR, TLDR. And welcome to the Linux user space. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. Dan, I've been I've been testing a lot. Testing a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I've been wire guarding for ooh, probably going on about a year now. Sure. And I love me some wire guard because it runs everywhere. Yes, it does. And it's nice. It 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 allows me to to connect in so that I can uh, really it's a paranoia thing, right? Like I don't like mm. Having the internet services that I that I host here at the house be internet facing. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm yeah yeah I get it. The WireGuard is the one thing that connects up directly to the internet, and I can trust that because you know keys and yes. um uh it, it's looking for very specific things when when you connect up. No no regular old Joe schmo can just uh can just yep. connect up to it. So it ticks a lot of my boxes. Uh, but currently, I'm um, I'm in a situation right now where I have an ESXi box okay. uh, that I run a few VMs on, and I also have a few Raspberry Pis, some which are gathering dust. And I would like to take everything that I can that's running in a VM and move it over to Pis. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean they're they're low powered, you know, utilitarian little small tools they don't use they don't use a ton of your electricity and uh, a couple little services per pie and uh you know you're good to go right yep i, I talked about uh running fresh rss a while ago mm-hmm. on the pi 4 and running git t on a pi 3 sure but uh my my main concern now is that the pi 4 is not even breaking a sweat <laughs> running yeah. any anything so I'm going to try and just keep loading up the pi 4 with more and more services until it starts to choke and then I'll back off one yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see how far you can take that, honestly. Uh, honestly, I'll probably run out of services before I run out of compute. You probably will. 
Yeah, no, they're but, pretty powerful, right? I mean, you know, maybe not great for your desktop, but uh, certainly run a lot of, you know, server services, you know, especially if it's right. just yourself, right? Back, yeah, back-end things that I check into every now and then. I mean, right, they, they don't use a whole lot of CPU, so Pi 4 will be able to knock all that out pretty easily. Right. Um, but that'll leave me with a, a Pi 3B plus and a Pi 2B plus. Mm-hmm. So... I want to use uh, so so. Here's the deal with WireGuard, uh, you know, tinfoil hat guy. Uh, I, I want WireGuard to be left alone to its own device, right. not have anything else running on the WireGuard yeah. box. Um, it, it's it's just good security practice, right? To, yeah, absolutely. To try and isolate that off. So I want to do it on the on the machine that is the least powerful. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I've I've run out of time. So here's the deal. I've run WireGuard on a VM, which I get my full 40 megabits up and down. I think my, my upload is right around 50 megabits. Uh, the VM can get almost up to that. I, okay. don't, I don't know where the bottleneck is. I didn't dig into it too terribly far. And then I ran it on the Pi 4 just for testing purposes. And I was I was able to get pretty much the same performance out of the Pi 4 that I was able to get out of the VM. Which makes sense. And and we're talking like an i5 uh, third gen, something or another, at 3 gigahertz. So, I mean, it, it's no slouch, uh, but it's a bit old. Right. And the Pi 3B Plus, I was able to get 30 megabits out of. So, right. we're, so a little we're less. Starting, yeah. yeah, I think we're starting to hit some hardware bottleneck there. Sure. So, it might be the 3B Plus that I, that I end up settling on. But I want to go down to the Pi 2B Plus, and I want to see what kind of throughput I can get on the 2B Plus. Sure. If, if, and I'll report back on the next episode, but if I can get about 25, 20 to 25 megabits out of the, the 2B Plus, mm-hmm. I think that'll be good enough for me sure. and uh, for another device uh, to be able to just kind of back and forth on that. Because I'm not, I'm not doing a whole lot. I do not leave the house and then, you know, set out to watch a bunch of Netflix or anything. Yeah, like um, yeah, Plex or something, right? Right. Like like if if I'm doing Plex, it's music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm streaming like yeah, like 1 megabyte per minute or right. something like that. So it we're, we're we I don't need crazy speed. I think the the big issue that I would have is I do some web surfing and I do some music listening and what I don't want is a big bunch of latency all the time. Yep. That's my main concern with this 2B+. But 2B+, it's got four cores. WireGuard will be nicely nestled into one of them. And the other three will be free to to go about, you know, random Ubuntu unattended upgrades because <laughs> kernel released. So, yeah. you know, it, it does that stuff in the background. But again, it's it's confined to a single core. So I think I can get away with yeah, that, uh, WireGuard being on one and, probably will you know, work. It'll probably have enough RAM that it'll be able to handle that. Um, yep, because it doesn't use a lot of that either, right? So it's pretty low on the resources. So you you're probably going to be in good shape. I think my Pi Four, like all said and done, it was like 600 megabytes of RAM. Yeah, and the the Pi Two B Plus has yeah. one. Yeah, right. it, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, that's that's way more services than I should be using anyway. I just don't go in and turn them off. Right. Um, but the 2B Plus has one gig of RAM, so that'll still give me a good bit of headroom for caching and all that other kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I recently put, uh, you know, WireGuard on my PFSense home home router. And blasphemy. I thought I, PFSense I said no. 
Yeah, it, it, it's it, it is it's in user land. Um, I get it. It's not quite the same, but um, it seems to be working quite well for me. And so, since it's on my firewall, I have access to everything inside of my network. Um, and I didn't have to open anything up through my network, you know, through the firewall because it sits oh. on the firewall, right? So, right it is only listening on the external interface, and you know. And then it and it lets you through. You can kind of control some of that a little bit better, like you can with most of your PFSense firewall rules. Um, so that's nice too. And uh, you know, so I'm using uh, DNS blocking basically by GeoIP coming into it. So if you're nice, not, you okay. know, if you're not in the right geographic region, even you're not. It's just going to drop your packets and not even going to let you in. So. I'm not planning to travel to like Antarctica anytime soon, so I can probably you know leave what? that enabled. You say that, you say that, and then if you're I... going to book a ticket and you're going to go because mm. research or something. And then when you get there, you're going to be like, oh my God. Why didn't I enable that? <laughs> I totally forgot. What yeah. have I done? I can yeah. change that if I decide to go on a whim because I don't think it'll be that quick. Um, so, you know, that's pretty nice. Um, and performance seems good. And I, I have a few things that I, I have inside. So like, I want to be able to get to my IRC bouncer, um, mm -hmm. so I can, you know, use Quassel droid on my, uh, on my phone and, and get to IRC. Re refresh me on that. You, you had mentioned Quassel droid, uh, a yeah. few, like quite a few episodes ago. What, what, what does it do? So it's just an IRC client that connects to my Quassel core. Like you can have multiple clients attached to your core, if you will, at the same time even. So I can have my desktop client and I have my mobile oh. client and they can all be connected. And like the core sits attached to IRC all the time. So the core is the actual user. And then yeah. you're like, you're, Connecting you're, into it's it. basically a proxy Yep. So that you're always Dan, always logged in, always, always, always that always. one person, and you never have to worry about right. And so it buffers that too. So it's it's like a bouncer in that regard. So it keeps That's track of cool. all the conversations that are going on. And got it, just it, got it. Pull it back, right? And pull back the buffer. That's real nifty. It is nifty. It's a very cool design. I like it a lot. Like I like the mobile client uh, for Android probably better than the desktop client, even. Because it, wow. it is it is nice looking even, and uh, it's it's pretty decent to use. I like it a lot. So anyway, I that's connected that. all the time, and I want to connect back into that so that I can you know do my IRC stuff. Um, the other thing I have Nextcloud, so I want my pictures and videos to yeah. automatically sync and upload and all of that without having to wait till I get back to the house and I don't want to open so fantastic. I don't want to open that. it up to the the world so I've got that as well. Uh -huh. Um and anything else I decide to host on a whim. Yeah, Nextcloud's another thing that that I use WireGuard for. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just it's just so nice because I'm like, "Oh, I put that one file in there, but yep. um you know, if if you've left the house and you don't have some way to access your NextCard uh NextCard NextCloud uh, yeah. Next <laughs> machine, um then then you're kind of just up a creek, like kind of defeats the purpose of having NextCloud in the first place. So a little yeah, bit, yeah. WireGuard is a nice way to get into all of that stuff. So yeah. So you're uh you had mentioned before the show that you're you're saturating the pipe wireguard is pretty much line speed for you 
Yep, I can not get any more than that, obviously, but yeah. um, I can I can get the the whole thing that I I get from my internet service provider, and uh, I'm not really noticing any any issues with it, so it's pretty great. Man, I dig it. WireGuard has been such a um, what what would you call it? Like it's, it's such an improvement, a quality wow, of life much. improvement over OpenVPN as far as speeds go. And people complain about the setup, setup, but I don't think it's all that bad, honestly. Have you tried to set up OpenVPN? People that say that, yeah, like, I know. Well, you can <laughs> like you can set up a configuration, I suppose, and then copy it over, scan it or something, I guess. But it doesn't. It exchanging keys is easy. Yeah, Pi, Pi VPN makes the OpenVPN setup way more easy yeah. to stomach. But I mean, prior to that. And then Pi VPN came out about the same time WireGuard came out. Right. Uh, well, you know, came into the mainstream, both of them, right. about the same time. And I feel like if 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 you're gonna choose one, I feel like WireGuard is about as difficult as yeah. setting up Pi VPN because Pi VPN's all in the command line anyway. It is very good. I'll actually say I think it was much harder doing it on my pf sense box then i I've, I've set this up at work before on a, on a ubuntu server mm -hmm. and that was easy um doing it here on the pf sense box took a lot more steps if you will but that's just because it's kind of a bolt-on if you will right it's not made right. to you know not not quite the same and you got to get the stuff in through the GUI in order to make it work and then you got to set up all your rules your firewall rules right Ugh. so yeah which it makes sense. You, so I will it, say, I will say, uh, PFSense firewall rules are probably the most user friendly of bad. all of the interfaces that I've that I've had to had to play with. I've played with Palo Alto and Sophos mm -hmm. and Cisco and mm. a, a few others, but uh, PFSense was the nicest experience. It is. It is, so it I mean, is you know, as far experience. as that goes, um, it's it's not bad. But I would say that also. Uh, if you're running PFSense, I don't feel like WireGuard is really that, you know, far beyond the no, pale it's not. for you. <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> You've already self-rolled your own router, man. So you you're, you're good. <laughs> you, you, I think you can handle WireGuard at that point. But yeah. for everybody else, WireGuard on Ubuntu is really not that difficult. It's not that bad. And they are yeah. coming out with some GUI clients uh, or, you know, GUI configuration tools for yeah. WireGuard. I, I see more and more of that stuff all of the time. And a lot of them are just web interfaces and you can, you know, QR code scan your your, oh. your clients and, and add them in and stuff. And so they're making it easier. They're making it easier. That's convenient. It's coming. It's coming. I, so uh, another point, though, is there's a bunch of command line scripts for WireGuard that will set this stuff up for you. Yep. But I always felt like, well, by the time I learned how to actually use the script, I could have probably already set it up by hand anyway. So I usually just yeah. go by hand. But so, th those exist, and you know, if, if you're if you're terminal shy, then uh, those scripts will probably help you out a well, whole lot. But but the GUI thing, I didn't know about this. I'm yep. excited about this. Once there's a once there's a little WireGuard GUI, I think um, I'll be uh, especially in the web interface, right? Because I, I run all these boxes headless, right? So if there's a web interface for it, oh oh oh, there's a couple different oh, ones. I'll, I'll send you some. I'll put some links in the show notes and send oh, them to please you. do. Yeah, I'm gonna need them. There's a few of them. I've looked at a few of them, and they're they're kind of neat. Well, if you're setting up WireGuard and you totally blow it up, um, you know we got you know Telegram, Discord, and all that. 
kind of stuff. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably won't be able to fix your problem, but uh, you know, I will <laughs> rub my chin and nod my head at you and Ooh. say, "Man, that's messed up." <laughs> <laughs> I might have some insight, but uh, you know, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So hop into one of those, and uh, maybe we can help you out. Yep, sounds good. All right, we've made it. Somehow, both Dan and I have made it an entire month on Nix. Yeah, on Nix OS. Boy. So let's dig into the history for a bit, and then we'll we'll talk a little yeah. bit about how we fared on Nix OS. Uh, but I will say, right at the very beginning of this thing, Nix OS is not like any other distro I have ever used in my entire life, and that's for good reason. But Man, you got to think about it. Yes, it makes you think. <laughs> it does make you think, and you are correct. It is not like any other Linux distribution that we've tested. And I and nope, that's a couple of times we've said that. So um, that's saying something. Yeah, I think I think it's like we physically said it to each other a bunch, but I think we were thinking it the whole time. Yeah, so, yeah. So let's 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 rewind back a little bit and go back in time and talk a little bit about. Elko Dolstra, the inventor of Nix through a uh, PhD thesis, successfully defended it a couple of years later. And uh, Armin Hemmel was the, was the brainchild of, or, or Nix OS was the brainchild of Armin Hemmel and Nix brainchild of Elko Dolstra. So you can find them at nixos.org. Their base system, they're based on Debbie. No, no, not. no, no. They're independent. They do their own thing. They um, all of their packages you can uh, you can grab them from uh, whatever channel they yep. have, or you can just compile them yourself if you if you want to get down and dirty with it. Um, they do provide both GNOME and Plasma live ISOs, so I guess you could consider those the official ones. Though others are available in the repository. Yep, they do. Uh, so that means that the file managers are files for GNOME and Dolphin for Plasma. The package manager. Nix, though it's not exclusive to Nix OS. This is actually the most no, this in, is really interesting cool. yeah. bit of uh, of Nix OS is that you can install Nix and use the Nix env command, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, in a little bit, to install whatever you want. Just about anywhere you want, too. Right. So these things are are kind of independent of each other. A little bit. Um, so you can use Nix wherever you want. Uh, so if you go with the latest branch of the kernel, which is what I did, you get 5.15.11. If you go with uh, what is installed by default, uh, that is 5.10.81, which is the LTS, and yeah, easy peasy. Yeah, yeah. So don't change anything, you get the long-term support kernel. Uh, the display manager, obviously, GDM for the GNOME side, SDDM for the Plasma side, uh, display protocols, uh, X11 or Wayland, and both GNOME and Plasma do work off Wayland. Yes. All right. History time. How many times, Dan, you mentioned this before, how many times do we talk about a, 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 a software or a distribution that came out of a research project about 20 years ago? Not often. Not no no not very many. No no. There's not <laughs> very many. Never. No really. There is I, like ah. I can't think of too many. Probably a yeah. few that we don't know about or don't think about, but very few. Right. 
Right. So a lot of thought definitely went into this. Right, right. And so you'll see um, Elko and Armin's name mm-hmm. uh, referenced together a yes. lot. And that's yep. because the two projects, Nix and Nix OS, pretty much were born at, at, at about the same time in 2003. Yep. So you can kind of think of, uh, if you are familiar with GNOME OS, you can kind of think about NixOS in the same light in that it is a an operating system that is meant for you know showing what Nix is capable of and allowing Nix full control yeah. over pretty much everything. Right. So we're we're talking about a distribution that is declarative and that was from the very beginning that's going to be a word you're going to see a lot you're going to hear it a bunch and and i've got toward the end i've got i've got examples of all three because you know it, it's easy to say oh it's declarative well what does that even mean and then right. oh it's atomic what does that even mean so we'll, we'll 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 wrap that up with a nice neat little bow at the end of all this uh for you but it was all started as uh in 2003 as basically a way to uh prevent rpm hell that was, I think, one of the original ideas of how to break out of uh, that situation where you install a package, oh, you're missing that dependency. Right. Oh, okay, well, I installed that dependency. Well, guess what? You're missing that dependency now, too. And you then know. you have to go get that one, and then that one, and then that one, and then that one. Next thing you know, you got the wrong version, and something's not working anyway. So, uh, yeah. If, you're, if your face wasn't red from slapping it by now, uh, <laughs> it would be by the end of all of that. Uh, exactly. But this is more a focus on NixOS as opposed to Nix. So fast forward from 2003 to 2007, which is really the first time that NixOS is available for the masses. These 64-bit machines that you can get your hands on in 2007, Nix will now go on that machine. So uh, that's February of 2007. In March of the same year, the NixOS manual targeting the unstable branch is available. And I've got a little bit to say about the unstable branch toward the end of this thing as well. Okay. Um, but uh, the unstable branch is basically, uh, you can kind of think about it a little bit like Arch. I mean, it's just, this is the stuff that we're getting ready. We're testing it. We're uh, doing a lot of testing on it to make sure that it, it's it's good to go into the stable kind branch. Kind like the Ubuntu development, you know, re- release, you know, so like right now, that's uh, Jamie Jellyfish, you know, 2204, right? Not out, not released yet, but it, it exists. Exactly, exactly. And that will that will eventually end up and get solidified into the actual release. And that's pretty much what the Unstable Branch is. Right. Um, in 2007, KDE is now available. And KDE is going to be one of those mainstays that just sticks it for, is. Uh, yep. for NixOS from here on out. And in June... As a follow-up to the thesis written in 2003, the paper Purely Functional System Configuration Management was presented, which outlined the need for Nix and NixOS. The basic points were other Linuxes, and this is really, I mean, this this underpins what Nix is and Mm NixOS is. So other Linuxes have no traceability. So what does that mean? That that means there isn't uh, a way to audit previous changes to the system over time, right? So, I mean, 
Unless you really have change management in place. And I mean, yep. really, especially for people that are running it on the desktop, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Mm -hmm. um, but even for larger companies in 2007, this wasn't really that commonplace. No. So if you make a change to a configuration file and then you make another change and then you make another change and then you make another change, what did you make three changes ago? What what exact change did you make? Right. And and this is this is what this is about. So that what they mean by other Linuxes have no traceability, that's what they're talking about. Do you even do you even know what you would be doing if you needed to roll back three changes ago? You don't. And so Nix is setting out, Nix OS and Nix are setting out to, to fix this. Another is other Linuxes are unpredictable and why reinstalling can be much easier than just fixing the problem. So in other words, if the system is already in a weird state, right? I mean, traceability, right? You made changes mm -hmm. three yeah. changes ago. This is where you're already in a weird state. Making additional changes could make that even weirder. Hence the unpredictability of this, right? So, I yeah. mean, if you don't know what changes you made three changes ago, what is this fourth change going to actually do and will it impact things that happened back then? Unpredictable. Another is other Linuxes generally can't easily run more than one instance of the application side by side. So in this particular, um, in this particular paper, he talks about uh, Apache and if you wanted to make a configuration change, but you didn't actually want to run that in production, you'd have to set up like this whole in, whole separate yeah, environment. Yeah, whole to, system, maybe even. Right. So like side by side is not really nope. Linux's forte, at least the way that we've been doing Linux up to this point. It's, 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 no. Maybe with a container or something now, but yeah, like that wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. In 2007? No. So you yeah. have to set up an entirely separate environment to to test this change and you hope that that translates to the production environment right. when you actually put that together. And then the last is other Linuxes cannot really easily roll back from a change. Like you install a bunch of packages, new packages, update packages, things like that. If you didn't plan for this in the first place, how are you going to roll back? Yeah, you're not. Yeah. I mean, we've got some workarounds now with like ButterFS snapshots and right time shift for time for shift, not and things like that, but uh, yeah, right, not but really. In, probably on a on a general no, probably not. But in 2007, what are you doing? You're pulling out those tape backups and you're pulling out your yeah. hair and you're spending a lot of time on your fixing. desktop. You're probably getting your jazz drive out or something like that, right? Oh, jazz! Wow, I haven't <laughs> thought about those in a long time. Zip was good, man. <laughs> Zip, Zip was good. not bad. Yep. Ah. <laughs> That'll make you think. <laughs> yep. So Wine is added in September. Open Office is added in uh, October to the uh, to the the Nix uh, stable channels. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to say with confidence. I'm going to pretend there's confidence behind here that Nix OS 0.1 is born in February of 2008. Makes sense. I'll, I'll buy that because my <laughs> research didn't I'm... turn up much either. So there you go. Yeah. Then in June of the same year, NixOS, and I like just to have these in here because, I mean, everybody goes through these things. Everybody has these whoopsies. Uh-huh. In June, NixOS.org goes down for a few days because of a cooling issue in the data center. Uh, Growing pains. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, it does. In December of 2008, Linux.com writes, as far as I can tell, the first major article of Nix, not Nix OS, but Nix, the thing that you can install on a Debian machine, on a Fedora mm -hmm. machine, on a Red Hat machine, on a whatever machine. Nix 
finally get some deserved recognition at this point. Then not too long later, in June of 2009, LWN.net writes the first major article that I could find of NixOS. So 2008, 2009, now we really kind of slip Nix and NixOS into the collective Linux consciousness, but it's not popular yet. Fast forward a little bit in uh, 2009 still, but in December, NixOS finally gets a logo. Now, if you go and read the wikis or the, the about pages on what Nix is, there's pretty much always going to be some kind of reference to Haskell, the programming language. Right. And it turns out, if you look at the Haskell logo, it is the lowercase lambda character with what looks like like an echo. So like a shadow or an echo mm-hmm. of the lambda character kind of to the side of it or behind it. Um, and NixOS, because they feel so strongly attached to Haskell, take on that Lambda. And what they do with it is basically create a snowflake out of it. So they, they take that Lambda and they kind of paste it up and around and in a circle. And that is, for all intents and purposes, the NixOS logo of today, though it has morphed a little bit since. A little bit, yeah. It's thinner. It was thinner in 2009 than mm-hmm. it is if you go to if you go to nixos.org now it's it's a it's a bit bolder and thicker right um, and the colors change just a little bit too but the the nixos logo was born of the Haskell logo and it looks like a snowflake I mean to me it looks like a th- yeah, snowflake to 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 them they even admit that it looks like a snowflake and it works because nix in Latin means snow perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, isn't that just nifty? Didn't the stars align for that one? By yeah. the way, in um, in Elko Dolstra's uh, native Dutch, Nix means nothing. Nothing. Ooh. So um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't. I couldn't get a lock on a on a reason why Nix for nothing. But um, huh. interesting, nonetheless. Yeah. So in September of 2010, a little bit of another fast forward, XFCE is added to the NixOS repositories or channels. Now, I'm going to keep saying repository because, uh, you know, Linux and we all have repositories yeah, that's and stuff like think, that. Right? Yeah, yeah NixOS tends to refer to them as channels, they stable do. channel, and that's where XFCE lives now. Um, now, fast forward about a year, 2011 uh, November, NixOS moves to GitHub from, I believe it was Subversion. Oh. And one of the cool things that they brought over to GitHub, and this really helped me out in the research uh, bit, is they kept all the dates and everything. So if you go to their GitHub and you look, uh, so under the NixOS um, uh, group, I forget what you call them in GitHub, but you go to that group and then you find Nix, you can go all the way back to, I think it's 2007-ish, and it has all of the changes for Nix and and everything. So it it actually does help you keep everything together. So that's really nice. And then in, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, 2012, Nix 1.0 is released. And that's kind of nice. And that's in May, May of 2012, Nix 1.0. 
is released. Now, this is the language, not the OS, but it becomes important because as yeah. Nix matures, so does Nix OS, and so does its ability sure. to declare yes. how the system should exist. Then in February 2013, Nix OS makes the move, along with a lot of the other distributions at the time. Uh, though they started on upstart for their init system, they move over to system D. So system D really does make some inroads in, uh, in the early 2010s. Now coming from upstart, that's probably a good choice. Yeah, I definitely agree. I agree. Uh, then in June of 2013, Nix Ops. So they have Hydra, essentially their build system, and then Charon. Charon? Anyway, mm -hmm. so Charon is renamed to NixOps when it when it hits 1.0. And this is a NixOS cloud deployment tool. So this is really, I think, the kind of the the fruition that this is the 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 tree that they planted and watered forever and ever and ever finally gets yeah. to the point where they can call it 1.0. And what this is is to deploy tons and tons and tons of machines in the cloud and for them to be all identical. And that's it's, it's very important for when you need to run web apps and that web app needs to move all over the place and be available in all these different places. You're going to need these machines to be identical. Right. So supports VirtualBox so that you can test on it. And then you push that right up to Amazon EC2 when you want to deploy. Then in October of 2013, Nix OS 13.10 Aardvark is released. And this is this is the, the advent of a couple of things. Number one, 13.10, 2013 October. Their uh, numbering scheme, versioning scheme, yes. is now year.month. I think this is a good thing. That way, uh, well, it makes it really easy for me on the history, right? So I just look at the version number and I'm yeah. just like, ah, oh, yeah, obviously that's when that came that out. It makes sense for but, everybody too. Yeah, it, it, it's a good move. Yep. And they also start giving it cute names. And I love names. Android, stop being boring, please. I know. They used to have some really good ones too. I mean, lollipop, I dig it, man. Ice cream sandwich, ah, come on, come on. Anyway, they name it Aardvark. And this is the first stable release that focuses on conservative updates. So we kind of made a mention to it before, kind of likened it to Ubuntu a little bit, and now it's kind of cemented as about every six months, and oh, actually I say about, that's it's not about, it it's, is. It's like exact, yeah. It is every six months they're going to spin up an ISO and they're going to essentially stabilize a channel of binaries and software that you can attach yourself to and just get security updates. So that that's the whole point of this stable channel, the stable release focus, where you install it, you pull your updates down, you get security updates for a little while, and then you move over to the next one in six months. That's usually how that works. Right, I mean, you, you really can liken them to the Ubuntu interim, interim sure. releases. The unstable thing, you kind of stirs around for a little while, you stabilize them, that's the release. And yeah, security patches. If if a bug totally breaks something, you'll get that patch too. But pretty much nothing else. You're 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 a bit frozen in time at that point outside of security and breaking breaking bugs. Yep. Then in May of 2014, NixOS finally finally gets that mainstream recognition 
11 years after its creation with the release of 1404 Baboon. And I suppose that it might have something to do with having a predictable version number, some naming, and that this particular version, 1404, comes with UEFI support. Right. I I think, you know, from my research too, like this is where it seemed to take off as far as the amount you could find. The people were, were, were trying it out, reviewing it, writing reviews, things like that. So I feel like this is like really where it started to ramp up and, and take off. Yep. And maybe it was maybe it was the stable release schedule. Maybe that was it. Maybe. Where yeah. people felt more comfortable trying it out. Because I mean when when you get into it, even back then, when you get into it, it's a whole new world. You 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 don't you don't configure Nix the way that you configure a regular Linux. So that I think may have contributed. Uh one you know, one of those things was it. I don't know what the catalyst was, but something was it. Yep. And you get uh, also in 2014, French website Linux FR covers the 14.04 release. And then you have another website, uh, Ordina Technic in 2014, covering the release of 1404. Uh, also in 2014, December, NixOS 14.12 Caterpillar is released. And then following that up, Linux FR covers it again in July of 2015. One of the top comments uh, actually on that was very good, but still young. And so, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, the, the, the concept here is, you know, 11, 12, 12 years old, right? At this point, right? So it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, hardly young anymore, but it's just not, it hasn't been popular long. So it feels young, I guess, probably to some people um, because it hasn't been out there. Yeah. I think it's in the in the in the collective Linux consciousness. It's it's young, but it's not right. I mean, NixOS and Nix no. both have been around since 2003, and yet old boy out here saying still young. I mean, come on. Yeah. How how uh, Debian was young at this point, according to this person. I as guess well. so. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, it made me chuckle. <laughs> well, exactly, and and I think I think that really goes. To our point about Nix really doesn't get that popularity until right. just now. 2014, 2015, people know the name. They may not have tried it, but they've heard about it. Somebody in their Linux circle has ranted about Nix, either good or bad. And now it's starting to seep in and and make some inroads. And I guess it sort of makes sense because that's sort of when like the DevOps movement, you know, started yes. and stuff oh, where, actually, where that whole mentality that's... and, you know, declarative, uh, you know, configuration stuff really was starting to yep. stick for all the cloud, you know, people, right? That was really starting to take off. So yep. having having your desktop do some of the similar things makes sense. Yeah, it yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, when, when you when you watch the talks that we really don't get into a little bit, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about one in uh, we'll 20, link a 2015 too, yeah. November. Yeah. Um, but but you really get the sense that NixOS is for developers. You don't have to be a developer. No. But, but man, does it help because because your your thought process is, is in that right. kind of mode where NixOS is a whole lot more digestible if yep. you thought about declarative languages before right. getting into this or or you've been in devops in any capacity whatsoever i think it's right it's it's really yep. up your alley 
infrastructure as code, right? That's the that's the oh. buzzword. No, no, it really, you know, don't get me wrong. It's it's good stuff. I I really appreciate it that. It makes just... things a little easier when you can get in that mindset. But yeah, it's it's still fairly new at mm-hmm. this point. At that but point, again, yep. I think you make. I think that's probably the point. You know what? Maybe more than any of the stuff that I said, maybe the catalyst for NixOS was DevOps. That was the thing that got people thinking. Well. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe this is the Linux for me because I can handle this the same way I handle all my other software and everything right. else. Huh. Good point. Good point. So um, Linux FR does it again. Uh, we talk about that comment. Then in August 2015, the NixOS Foundation was started to improve. Uh, so quote to improve our ability to maintain and extend the infrastructure used by the Nix related projects. End quote. So. There's a foundation now. You can you can give donations to this foundation. You can do that today. Yep. By the way, uh, you can give to the Nix Foundation, and they will fund the development of all things Nix and NixOS. Next month in September, NixOS 15.09 Dingo was released. See, I see that, uh, and you're gonna see it too. Dingo, and then Ubuntu has a Disco Dingo, mm-hmm. and then just wait. Just wait. There's another one. There's, okay. there's another okay. one. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my my favorite, the Plex service was yeah. added to the Nix configuration. So there's a way to uh, to declaratively say, I need Plex installed, and this is how I want the service to be run, and this is how it's going to be. Cool. Um, because again, you don't apt install Mm-mm. Plex. You don't. You, it's just not how this works. You have to declare it in the configuration.nix file, and then you, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a whole, yeah. there's a whole bit, man. There, we'll get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Then in 2015 of uh, November, a talk by Rock Garbus titled "Make Nix Friendlier for Beginners." And if you look at the mailing lists, you see this talk dubbed the "Killed Wiki" talk. I agree. I do not like wikis. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. They're either super stale or they're super stale. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, or like as somebody says here later, yeah, yeah this happens too. Yeah. So, so uh, Rock mentions in this talk, he specifically says, quote, no documentation is better than false documentation. End quote. So That's this true. is what I mean. When you get to a wiki, by the time you get there, the information that you're trying to digest and implement is probably already wrong. Oof. And it drives me up the wall because then you have to go and then Google the thing some more. And then you find some forum post somewhere deep down in the bowels of the Internet. And there's the one guy. One guy is like, ah, fixed it, man, and here you go. And then I wish, I wish that I could send that guy money easily, right? Because he just he saved me like six hours of time trying to figure out what that is. But that's that's kind of the point, right? Where he's really advocating for just dump the wiki and let's come up with real documentation for the operating system and let's keep it up to date and. I mean, he argues that wikis are a terrible way to document things. And then he gives the example of the one loud kid mm-hmm. in class. And he's, he's kind of referring to the editors of the wiki. One loud kid in class that disrupts and controls the conversation by always 
talking. And you see this on pretty much every wiki. There's, there's one name that shows up over and over and over again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing unless that particular person is a little on the unsavory side. Or it gets stale and they haven't kept up with it. Right. And then and then so he, he comes up with another example as to as to how to move on from this. And this is I feel like this is to that same guy. Uh, another be. example of uh, the, the most prominent maintainers of the wiki deflecting work that needs to be done on the wiki to the person that brought up the issue. Mm. He compares it. And we do this in Linux a lot mm-hmm. and it's not good. But. He deflects the work that needs to be done to the wiki on the person that brought it, brought it up. He compares it to finding a mistake in a textbook while learning Spanish. So you say, uh, you know, Miss Teacher, I found, you know, this this is wrong. It shouldn't be like this. It needs to be, you know, it needs to be another way. It needs to be the correct way. Right. And then the teacher just says, all right, we'll fix it. You're the student, man. Yeah, like how am I supposed to fix that? Right? Come on, that's a distributor problem. That's a that's mm-hmm. a, a proofreader's problem. That's that's the author's problem. It's not my problem. Your wiki is busted. Mm-hmm. I came here to let you know. I don't need you to give me a chore. Like, yeah. <laughs> just fix it. So, anyway, that's what that talk was about. Um, and 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 it took a little while. But that talk got some traction, and it made some changes. Yeah, it did. So uh, also in November, that 1509 uh, review of Dingo came out, and this is from DistroWatch. Yeah, say what you want about DistroWatch, but they do have decent reviews on some they stuff. They do, and yep. what, what I take DistroWatch to be, I think, once, once you've made it on DistroWatch, that's the milestone. Once they start yep. writing about you, that's another milestone, and I, I really think that's... Um, those, those end up being, and it, and it, it may not be DistroWatch. It, it may be a, a, you know, a broader Linux collective mindshare kind of thing. Just that DistroWatch kind of marks co- that. Yeah. Helps you collect it all anyway. Yeah. And, and this is really where you start to see the upswing for, right. you started to see it in 2014. You really start to see it in early 2015. And now at the end of 2015, NixOS is really starting to make some inroads. So they get the DistroWatch review. And so there's a couple of uh, important takeaways here I felt from this article. So the author, you know, installed it and then he wasn't able to log into the graphical session after installation, right? Whoops. Yeah. So, well, that's because, well, you can't log into the graphical session as root, right? And mm-hmm. his his user was set to no login. Like that was- Why? Like, like the, that was the shell was no login. <laughs> and so tried switching to a different TTY and, you know, getting in as root that way and then changing the config. And then but yeah. like on a re- reboot, uh, guess what happened, Leo? What do you mean? Like it, what, it didn't stay? No, it reverted <gasps> uh, because that's how it works. And so that was when the light bulb moment came on and, um, you know, realized that it's you have to declare it in the Nix configuration yep. or else it will not stick. And so um, I, I will quote this from the article. It says, while the issue concerning my user account I ran into was largely my fault, it does highlight a few interesting points about Nix and Nix OS. Specifically, that Nix doesn't just manage packages. It also handles services and user accounts. I also found that when we make changes 
that do not match Nix's configuration, the package manager will correct our changes. This means we need to adjust our thinking when it comes to how the system is managed, and it also means Nix may fix problems automatically for us if the system becomes corrupted. So I think like that's a huge takeaway, I think, from this this whole review and just like the foundation of the way Nix and Nix OS work. Exactly. I mean, you, you, just to pile onto that, and I think that that's actually one of the strengths of Nix is that if you want to make a change, you can. You can. And you can, you can do it the normal way. Mm-hmm. And the system will respect that at the time. But let's say you make this change and you totally bork your entire system. How do you fix that? In, in a normal Linux system, you better hope you have backups of that configuration file. Right. But in Nix, just reboot. Nick. And and if, if somehow you got Nix to bork the system for you, reboot and just choose the previous generation yeah, and you're good a to go. Different, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, both Dan and I have mentioned it up to this point, but your thinking really does have to change when you're dealing with a system that is managed by Nix. But it's good. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of that. There is. Uh, but, you know, compromise. There's compromise that comes out of that. So fast forward to 2016 March, NixOS 16.03 Emu is released with NetworkD and ResolveD services added for systemd style networking. That makes it super nice. In August of 2016, uh, a presentation from one of the team obviously focused on package uh, on, on the package management side. Um, that is just, it's just a good talk to go watch. Mm-hmm. So yep. if you're curious about how Nix packaging works or you just want some examples or you just want someone to kind of walk you through, and granted, it does go pretty in-depth. Uh, watch does. the first little bit of it. Um, but go in and watch that video. You can kind of get a, a real view of how it all works. Yep. Then uh, in September of 2016, uh, NixOS 16.09 Flounder Ooh. was released with uh, package sizes shrinking dramatically. And for an example, one of my favorites, Firefox, went from 650 megabytes to 260 megabytes. Slim. Yeah, they figured out an easy way. I say easy, but they figured out a way to slim a lot of these packages down so they don't have to worry about it so much on the back end, and at the very least, you don't have to worry about it too much uh, on your system. And as well, Pixie booting is supported. Ooh, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I was kind of surprised it took this long Mm -hmm. to get Pixie booting uh, added to this. But uh, for those that don't know, Pixie booting is a way to boot your system into an operating system over the network. Right. Right. Like these systems don't even need a hard drive. In some cases, you can Pixie boot into like um, a, a... I guess I want to say drive, but not really on the network. And then you have a full operating system, right? But it's all over the network. Right. Uh, But you can do some other cool stuff with it, like imaging and whatever, or setting up a Nix system. Yeah. So that is super nice. Then in uh, 2017, uh, we finally see, we finally see the Nix OS weekly. And it's in quotes for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is called. It's It's actually called called a Nix OS weekly newsletter it is and, and they admit though that the original intention was every other week 
Right, right. And then so, it becomes a little know, bi-weekly, you know, but it depends on where you're from. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't quite as as frequent as that even sometimes at, no. at times. No, there were, there were, there were, some, there were they, some gaps. They roll them out on a regular gaps. cadence, so that's cool. Right, and you saw yourself in some of these titles then. Oh, they they crack me up. Like, they're totally in tune with my sense of humor. So, number three, for example, uh, was Better Late Than Never. And then, uh, you know, in quotes, Better Late Than Never, me, but Never Late is Better, my wife. So, <laughs> you know, I can totally picture a conversation going like that, you know, in our household. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Leo, but that, that was good stuff. That made me chuckle. So, yeah, no, just there's a whole bunch of them like that, and they, they do make me chuckle. It's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. So then in March, uh, NixOS 1703 Gorilla is released, and it ships with the all-new KDE Plasma 5. Ooh. KDE 4, well, actually KDE 3 and KDE 4, but KDE 4 recently as of this uh, as of this time, it's left in the garbage heap. It's mm-hmm. over. It's over for you, KDE4. I think uh, to the collective um, sigh of the many, community many, that many was people had that feeling, KDE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like KDE4 was kind of like Windows Vista, right? Like it was finally good, but nobody acknowledged it was good by the end of it. It didn't get good until the end, yeah. Yeah, and then and then by that time, everybody was done with it. They were moving on. So yeah, no, I'm just we're just we're skipping that one. We're skipping yep, it. Agreed. Yep. Then there's uh, another DistroWatch review of 1703. And then in September of 2017, NixOS 1709, Hummingbird is released. And now, removing and re-adding users will work a bit more as expected by reusing previous UIDs and GIDs. So what this means is, if you were to have gotten rid of a user, and then some time goes by, and then you re-add that user, that, that user will get the same UID and GID as opposed to, I think now, like in most systems, you just get the next one. You get the next like, one that's available. Yeah. 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 Even if it is the same name that, that user was deleted and then you just, so like if you were a thousand right. in the first place and then you got deleted and then like five more users got created, then you're a thousand six now. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So this is kind of a nice thing if you it delete a nice. user and then and then realize later on, well, yeah, we need that back. That way, you don't have to change anything else. Uh, everything just kind of fits right back into place. So that's really nice. Then in 2018, February, Nix 2.0 is released. And this is a bit of a milestone because this is a big one. Just, just like apt-get, slowly morphed into apt and yes apt get still exists and you can use a lot of its functionality apt really is the future and so likewise nix will eventually supersede at this point all nix dash commands so for example you have nix dash build is now just nix space build but that didn't really kind of capture what this is doing so Another example is nix-shell-p is pretty much replaced by nix-run. So easy, uh, kind of an easier, Englishier way to get these commands run and do what yeah. you need to do in the background of nix without having to worry about all of these little dash additions yeah. to nix. So then in uh, March 2018, nix-os-1803 Impala is released. 
And you start to see some of the preliminary support for ARCH64. You see support for Sway, mm -hmm. those of you on uh, Wayland. Yep, and Wayland. a move to the Nix 2.0 that was released a few, uh, the, the previous month. Now, here's the other one I was telling you about. Now here the it is. other one. Here it is. 2018, September, NixOS 1809, named Jellyfish. Hmm, that sounds familiar. So we had a, di so we had a, we had a disco dingo, and now we got a jammy jellyfish, and I feel like there's correlation here. You know, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't... Maybe we I don't know, know but maybe there is. I'm going to have to hire a PI to look into this for me. Okay. And figure this out, but... Um, <laughs> with there this might be release, nothing, you though. See, okay, it could be coincidence. I Fine. Could be coincidence. <laughs> but you see, more work on AR64... Still not there yet, though. Then in uh, 2018, October, Fastly.com now supports NixOS by hosting the binaries. So when you type in NixEnv-I to install something, it's Fastly. Nice. March 2019, NixOS 1903, Koi, is released with the Pantheon desktop environment mm -hmm. as an option, but without LightDM until some bugs worked out. Mm. So Pantheon works, but the login, we got to... You got, you got, got no greater. Yeah, we got to figure <laughs> that out. And then in September 2019, NixOS 1909 Loris is released using a, a less privileged user in the installer NixOS. And this is what we see now. So when you, yep. when you launch the live installer now, you are NixOS. Instead of prior to September 2019, you were root. Just good practice. It is good practice. Then fast forward to March of 2020, NixOS 2003, Marcore. And I think I'm saying that right. I don't even know what that is. I should look that up. It's obviously an animal. It is. But I don't know what a Marcore is. I don't know either. One. They don't have one at my zoo, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, this sees the real birth of the live environment. So prior to this, every time you launched a NixOS, what you could consider a live disk, but it, did, it just got you to a shell so you could do all the necessary gobbledygook to get your system going, it was all in the terminal. It was all in just a TTY. But, uh, but now, March of 2020, now you get a real live environment. And it starts the session automatically. So prior to this, you could start a GUI session. You could. You had to do it manually, though. But now, it starts automatically. Nice. And... Yeah, makes it a little bit easier, I think, for people that, that are not 100% sure they want to do Nix, especially if you don't understand how Nix works. But, you know, having that gooey kind yeah. of is, is like a safety blanket. A little bit. I mean, th this is this is going to be right up your alley. So uh, March 2020 was pretty much when Nix may have been an option for you. Then in uh, September 2020, Nix OS 2009, Nightingale is released. And the GNOME ISO is now official. So prior to this, we had the KDE ISO, but now... Now GNOME is official. GNOME. Yeah. And I saw that Cinnamon 4.6 is official. So I'd seen oh, that okay. in the forums, uh, people were talking about uh, Cinnamon 2. Dot whatever and, oh, wow. and how to upgrade and all that kind of stuff. So Cinnamon was around, mm -hmm. but it wasn't official uh, until now. Okay. Um, and on the opposite side of this, Deepin was in the process of becoming official, but there was just too many bugs, too many things. D that Deepin's was a lot of work. Were, yeah. It, I mean, and, and it really does show. 
I mean, you don't see Deepin as a main option in a lot of distros, and I think NixOS ran into the same brick wall, but instead of for- forging ahead, they just dropped it. Yeah. Then there was uh, a review in 2020. Dan, I think you found this one. Basic takeaways on this were, you know, it's recommended for power users, and um, there was a there was a hope for better documentation because documentation was kind of called out as not as you know user friendly, I guess, if you will, um, as it could have been. If you're not a programmer, it's going to be Greek to right. you. I and I think this person certainly knew their way around, mm-hmm. um, but it just wasn't as intuitive. I guess. Intuitive. Yeah. yeah. And this particular review spoke to me because uh, this person uh, bought a laptop specifically to test out NixOS, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be the exact laptop I'm using now. So that the ThinkPad T450S is what they went out and bought. And um, yeah, so it's so like the first paragraph was, oh, I went out and bought this laptop just because, you know, ThinkPads have a good uh, reputation for being supported in the kernel and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, perfect. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think they ended up with the same basic um, thoughts about NixOS that we did, even though uh, I know I'm not a programmer. Dan, I don't know how much you... I do very little. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. know my way around a little bit, but uh, very little. Not not a lot of programming. I'm a yeah, script, script guy. I'm, I'm a just like, you know, slap together a script to make this thing easy on me so I don't have to deal with it again. Pretty much. Yeah. that That's basically as far as I go. But I think overall, they, they, they had a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, fast forward again, 2021, May, NixOS 2105, Okapi. And another one of these, I've never heard of this animal before, but I assume it's an animal because they've all been animals up to this point, is released with GNOME 40 hitting the big time. And this release also marks the switch from a, yeah, did you notice? 2105, not three? Yes. Marks a switch from a March-September release cadence to a May-November cadence. Um, and that shows up again in obviously November. Right. So NixOS 2011 Porcupine, which is what we've been running over this past month. KDE Plasma works on Wayland. Yay. And GNOME hits 41 yeah. and a peer two service is added. So if you're running your own peer two thingamajig, uh, that's, that's a Nix thing now. So you can do that over there. Yeah. So all of the cool, new, amazing software that everybody's been clamoring about, uh, I guess, up until November, they kind of freeze it. Um, and I guess we'll see another one in May. Yep. So, um, yeah, but I guess you could get onto the Unstable channel if you, you wanted. You could if you were adventurous. If you're adventurous. Well, I've, I've got some more thoughts on that. Okay. But that's the end of the history as we see it. Yes. Uh, as with the last distro, um, I, you know, I don't even know that we have an official name for this thing. So the distro history, whatever. Yeah. Um, we missed a couple of things. So oh, for sure. If you know of some major milestones in the development of Nix, uh, well, but more Nix OS. If, if you know yeah. of some major milestones of the development of Nix OS that we didn't cover, let us know because. Nix has been on people's radar for maybe five or six years, but Nix right. and Nix OS have been around for coming up on two decades now. Yes. So 
Yeah, I mean, obviously there's stuff that's been lost to time, um, but we were able to salvage a lot of that from yeah. archive.org, which, which helped out a lot in 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 this particular history. But again, if there's some stuff about Nick's that you know that we didn't cover, let us know because I, I personally I want to know it because I, I really kind of dig Nick's and the way that it's put together. Yeah, same um, here. But you know, hey, in the in the interest of being complete, I'd like to know too. So Dan, yes, Nick's OS. How'd you get along with it? I, so like I could probably use anything and get along with it. Um, but I, I did find it like for me, it was, it, it clicked. It made a lot of sense. I was able to, um, get it set up, get it installed relatively easily. Um, and once I got, you know, once I got the mindset in me that I'm going to use this configuration file to set all my stuff up. And, and that's, that's what I'm going to live in basically to make all my, my changes and add my packages and all of that stuff. Once, once I got over that, um, it wasn't that bad for me. It it felt a lot like my day job though. So, <laughs> you know, there was that, right? I can right? see that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't, you, you didn't open up, uh, you know, discover or, um, you know, gnome software and, and then no. go and install, a piece of software. So like, if you wanted to install something, you had to set, you know, either go to the terminal. And one nice thing that I did like was I did not need to use root privileges to install a piece of software. Yes. I could install it as me. Which I got to agree. Cool. And, and this is, this is one of Nix's strong suits. If you yeah. can get Nix on your distro of choice, this is true for that distro too. Yeah. You can, uh, the, the command is Nix dash env space dash i space the thing you want if right. that's discord or firefox or chromium or whatever it is yeah, that you, you want um it installs it as you as a user and it's within right. your particular profile so that you don't have to ask you don't have to provide pseudo privileges you don't have to be root none of that so and I think that's really valuable. Yeah, I think so too, because it can allow you to have a little more of a lockdown system, but still give the users the ability to install their own thing and run their own software, which is nice. And I think that's, that's another big point about Nix is that if you're an admin yeah. that, I don't know, for some reason you have 100 desktops and there are there are users on these desktops and they all want different things, mm -hmm. you can create in your configuration.nix file, you can create the base level of software that you know that everybody's going to need. Yep. And then each user can then further decide, well, I need... Caden Live. Well, the next user doesn't need Caden Live. They right. need Audacity. So, right. and the next user doesn't need Audacity. They need, you know, known podcasts or wh whatever, whatever that might be. Insert software here. Yeah. Exactly. If, if for, uh, let's say these hypothetical users are not shy of the terminal, they can just nix env dash i, whatever they want. Right. And their profile, their it's user there. now has access to that software. So it's, it's fantastic for, Getting that base level and then letting somebody yep. kind of add whatever it is that they want to on the uh, on the other side of that. And so I did some of that. I did it both ways, right? So I did <laughs> so some did I, on yeah. the system level because I wanted to be able to, you know, manipulate that. I wanted to install it and then be able to manipulate it and see, you know, 
okay, yeah, okay, that did exactly what I thought it did. Mm-hmm. And then I installed some as my user, and oh, that's pretty neat. That's I, I like that as well. And so ultimately, I think I did most of my software installation as my user because, mm-hmm. well, I'm the only user on there anyway, so whatever. You know, not not really. It doesn't really matter if I install it for the whole entire system because there's nobody else using it anyway. So yeah, exactly. Um, it was definitely faster to do that way. You didn't have to rebuild the system and restart and all of that stuff. So right. You know, and so that that worked. Um, but I did like to be able to specify things like Firefox and Vim and like you could set that up for the whole. Every every user would get those, and that's that's kind of neat. Um, and beyond that, you can set up the configurations for those things too, out of the gate every time. They're always mm-hmm. going to be the same. But it, like, if I wanted to take that configuration file and drop it on another laptop or oh, save yes. it, and and if I needed a reinstall or something, I could pull it back down and I could run. I could run. Uh, you know, run the rebuild thing and i'm right back to where i was as far as the software that i had on there so yeah to kind of to kind of pile onto that i think that is a fantastic way to kind of pitch nixos to somebody that i mean you know if they're if if they're receptive to a a different way to deal with linux but you have this configuration file that that decides everything that's going to be installed on your system from the from the get-go mm-hmm if you can take that configuration file and put it somewhere uh, where you can just pull it down whenever you want to, getting back up and running is a matter of partitioning your drive, Yep. pulling down that configuration file, and then just letting Nix handle the rest. Yep. And then when you reboot out of that live installation environment, your system, it's, it's ready to go. All of your configurations... That that you worked so hard to figure out how to do, and you will because that's yeah, you just do. the way you that do. it works. <laughs> you got it. You got to spend some time, but you have all of these decisions and and corrections that you have made to your system in one nice, neat little file that's saved out. You know, somewhere where you can get to it, you can pull it down. You can tell Nix, all right, this is the thing. So, like for instance, yeah. if your hard drive dies, yeah, and you need a new hard drive. Obviously, you do good because you keep backups because that's just what we're supposed to do. I do. But do you keep backups of the entire system? A lot of people don't. Well, so I do, but it, yeah, you're well, right. True. A lot of people don't, right? Yeah, they just don't. Like they, and space is a, a concern for that too, right? Right. You might only keep your documents or something like that because, well, the rest of it you can probably yeah. reinstall relatively yeah, that's easily. Yeah, that's a few gigs I don't need to worry about, right? Absolutely, right? So it makes total sense to me if... If you spent a half an hour reinstalling or, um, you know, an hour pulling it across and and copying absolutely everything, um, your time is better spent probably just reinstalling. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that's that's certainly one of the points that um, that I think they 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 really hammer on about mm-hmm. is that, I mean, it, it could be broken. You might as well just reinstall yep. it. And in, but with Nix, you don't have to do that. There nope. are there are quite literally inbuilt ways. They have thought of this. Oh, very much on, so. On on how to how to not not necessarily fix it, but roll back to a point where it didn't even matter, and yeah, they just don't make that same broken. mistake again. Yeah, it wasn't broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it was really cool. Um, but I at the same time, 
I'm going to say that's a double-edged sword because, like I said, I wasn't, like, I am not one to use a graphical, um, you know, application installation method, probably. But should I want to, um, maybe I just want to scroll through. I mean, like, I don't know. You've had the endless scroll of Netflix probably oh. before or whatever, like where yeah. you just scroll. Maybe you just want to thumb through the the options there. Well, you're not doing that here. I mean, you can. No. They do have a nice search on their webpage. Like if you wanted to look for something, but like oh, you have right. to look for it, right? You're yeah. looking for it. it. You're not you're not thumbing through all the options probably. And sometimes that name's not really as descriptive as you'd I like know. it to be. Um, but then you can also do that in the command line and it basically pipes you into less, it does. I, th I think it's like Nixenv QAP or something yep. like that. And yeah, that's you intuitive. get, you know, it's like all the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, number one, that's not intuitive. Number two, it's all the packages, like it is. all of them. All of them. Yes. Every single yeah. one of them. Yeah. But yeah. The I, one that I've, you're not thinking of that one too. You know, if I just want to <laughs> see what web browsers are available or something like that, like, Right. You can type that sort of search into a Discover, you know, GNOME software and probably pull up a bunch of stuff for you. Well, I will say on that particular point is that all of them are there, except I don't remember seeing Edge, uh, but I certainly saw Brave. I know I saw right. Vivaldi. Firefox right. was there. Oh, no, I, I think it was GNOME Web was there. Oh, yeah. GNOME Web was default. Yeah, yeah, because both of us chose the GNOME version. We right? did, which was unusual, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, I, I never pick gnome probably yeah when 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 given the choice i usually i usually opt for plasma and when given the choice dan doesn't go for that either i think you're a lxqt guy at heart but yeah i don't know you'll, you'll try part. things but gnome is usually pretty far down that's, the list that's not the one i usually go for but nope. uh i had a decent experience <laughs> with that like i hadn't i hadn't really tried anything i tried 40 i think once or twice and mm -hmm. i hadn't really ran anything since then so i i wanted to get a better experience for what the later versions of gnome are are like and uh it's not terrible no i can get yeah. along with it well so on that on that particular point a side note for some reason gnome 41 performs better on nix mm. than it does on fedora for me and i don't know why that is but this includes Previous versions of GNOME. So I've been on, uh, I always keep Fedora handy mm -hmm. because it's nice. It's up to date. It's not, it's not, it's not rawhide, but I mean, it's, nope. it's certainly up to date. So I've, I've stayed on GNOME on this laptop for quite a long time. And then I did Nix on the same version that Fedora had, at least for a little while. And somehow Nix is more performant <laughs> when things get graphically intense, right? Like, like, so you got like eight you know applications open and then you hit the super key and then they all like fly out yeah they and do you can see yeah. them and pick them and whatever mm -hmm. like in fedora it's pretty obvious you got eight things open it gets chunky mm. like a little a little yeah stuttery in NixOS, yeah pretty much that never happened i don't know why now here's the kicker I specifically go in and turn off GNOME extensions on Fedora. Yeah, the little watermark, it's off. The okay. little dash to dock, I don't install it. Like, I, I, I specifically do not install extensions because I do not want it interfering with the, you know, graphical flip-floppies. Well, Nix, I've got dash to dock installed. I've got app indicators okay. installed. I've got oh, all wow. kinds of stuff installed. And yet, somehow, it's still more performant. Hmm. 
I don't know. They don't do anything. As far as I understand, it's not like Nix goes in and, and like compiles these things in a special way or anything. But somehow, somehow it's more performant. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what that is. I wonder if there's other little bits and bobs that aren't uh, turned on or installed or running in the background or who knows what, right? Like Maybe, but these just, guys are magical. Well, there's going to be less, less of that, like, you know, actually active. Much like, yeah. much like when we did Arch or Void or whatever, right? They don't, unless you declare it, it's not happening, probably. So there might be some things that, that aren't running, potentially. Yeah, what? What I think I might need to do is go with like a super minimal Arch install and install GNOME and see what it performs like there. Mm -hmm. And maybe that'll be a better comparison yeah, might between, be. might be. between the GNOMEs. But, but it, it made it usable. That's actually one of the reasons that I, that I avoid GNOME is that it bothers me. Yeah. That, I mean, and I mean, it's a, it's a six, seven year old chip. Like earlier versions of GNOME. I noticed yeah. that uh, I as chunky. well. Yep. Gets yeah. a little, you know, the animation's kind of stuttery just a little bit like not not totally stopped or anything but just not right. as smooth it's, as it could be it skips frames and you and i mean most people don't notice it i mean or if they do they don't care i care i notice and i don't like it so I, I, <laughs> that's fair <laughs> I, I tend to i tend to avoid it because of that but next i don't know it's, it's got me to kind of reevaluate well maybe this is well because also the the three little three finger swipes yeah. and this and that like that's that's really nice in gnome mm -hmm. and so it, it's it's got me thinking man it's got me thinking well maybe gnome can be better than than what it is that i'm pre presented with a lot of times and uh, it's, it's good it's, it's just pretty good yep so i gotta say my my experience was pretty good um yeah it I did not expect the level of configuration by oh, yeah. hand in a text file that I had to do <laughs> oh, to yeah. kind of get Nix up and running to the way, you know, kind of to my to my standard. But once it was all done, I look back on it and, and I and I think, man, that okay, number one, that wasn't really that hard. No, no, same. You have to be willing to learn, but it wasn't that hard. And then number two, wow, how easy would it be if my hard drive did crash? Yeah, like, absolutely. Die? And I popped a new one in and to get Nix back up and running. I, I Because I have the configuration.nix file that I have now, it would be trivial. The hardest part would be using parted again yeah. to get the, the thing all partitioned and formatted right. Mm -hmm. Or you could use gparted or whatever else you wanted to use. Yeah, I think it came with gparted, right? I think it had gparted, but the uh, the 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 documentation itself yeah. referenced parted. So it did. Yeah. So I, I just I just did what they said. I, I just used parted instead. I mean, I'm I'm more of an uh, f disk kind of manually make fs kind of guy. Yeah. But yeah. they said parted, and I was like, eh, okay. I won't deviate. I'll I'll, I'll do what no, you say. I, I and... spent a day or two probably in the manual as well. Um, yeah. Not that it was complicated or 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 whatnot, but I just wanted to. Follow along, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I, like I, I didn't want a dumb decision that I made to affect, yeah, my experience with Nick. So I, I, I followed along with the documentation so that I didn't, I didn't taint my right. my views of what it is. I almost feel like you can't go into it without expecting to do a, some of that. Yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. I think that's the that's the right take. So, but it, but Nick's and Nick's OS they're they're powerful, but you they gotta are. be ready for it. Because it'll break your brain, man. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned at the top of the history segment, but it is different. And the installation 
is a bit of a pain because you there there is no there, there's no ubiquity. There's right. no anaconda. No, I don't, I don't care if you complain no about calamaris. anaconda, but it, yeah. but I but I guarantee you, you'll take anaconda over having to do it by hand. So, oh yeah, you know there there is none of that. There's absolutely none of that. You have to uh, partition by hand. You have to format by hand, and then there's a there's a Nick script that will take you the rest of the way. But yep. you have to you have to hand code yeah, your you configuration dot nix file and i say code that that's that that kind of belies how how easy it is it, it is, is a actually language, pretty easy though. it is it very much is so you have to abide by the rules that you can glean from the file like you're not going to break it if yeah. you just pay attention to the spacing and you what's going on there well well you can i've messed it up a couple times and it barked at me Yes, yes. But the fact that it'll bark at you and it won't just totally, you know, throw you off and crash and everything it's like, oops, is is that. a pretty good testament <laughs> yeah. to what's going on. Yeah, it was helpful. Um so it's so it's different, but you get the entire entire system provided you know what you want. Right. Installed and ready to go from the start. And I think that's really kind of the power of this is that once you get that configuration file fixed, that's 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 it. That's like the hardest part. It is. It is. It. Totally is. So know your partitioning. Get your configuration done, and then it's just smooth sailing from there. It, it was. It, it just really. Ran. It just it really ran. actually is, and I was very impressed with it. So it's very front loaded. If it if is. you can't get past those two steps, you're you're not going to make it with Nix. But once you get past those two steps, Nix is a very enjoyable experience. I think. But again, I I think to Dan's point, it's a bit of work, man. It's, it's a bit of work it's, it's, it's to get into yeah. that. So, uh, and smaller changes were a, a bit of work, right? Like so, Sometimes. like on on a lot of my systems, the ones that I have to use the audio interface that I'm using mm. right now, I have to tinker with Pulse a little bit. So I need to hard code in the the daemon.conf file in Etsy Pulse. I have to hard code 4800 hertz. That's what this little box outputs at. And that's what I want Pulse to record at, 4,800 hertz. But by default, Pulse has a fallback to 44,100. No, mm. that breaks what I'm doing. And it actually messes with the pitch of my voice. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, it makes sense. But but it breaks, and I don't want that to happen, so I have to go in and, and make that change. Well, guess what? In Nix, you don't do it that way. You have to do it in the configuration.nix file. Mm. And finding, oh my God, Dan, this is what they were talking about in that uh, that 2020 review where the documentation could use some, this is what they're talking about. They're yes. talking about. Yes, it is. If if I need to go into Pulse and make a configuration change in the daemon.com file, Dan, it was tough. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you had to find the thing in their mm -hmm. documentation and then you, you literally had to like wizard it out. Yep. It was difficult to figure out how to make this change behave. Or my other option was to just change it every single time I reboot it. Oh, and my that word. wasn't going to happen. So no, I'm not <laughs> doing that. But but once uh, again, once you get the configuration file figured yeah, you're out, done. never do it again. You never ever have to think about it again. So but 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 it goes for everything, right? Like the downside is. is having to learn Nix. Yep. That is the downside. But the M upside is that you get a fully fleshed out system when you say, all right, Nix, go. Yep. And that, so I, I, I said it at the top of the show, that is declarative. Yes. You get a new computer. 
Oh, you need to reinstall because your hard drive blows up. Whatever. It's as simple as partition your disk, pull down the configuration Nix file, and then tell Nix to handle it from there. Boom. Full system. Ready to go. That's reproducible. Yep. Nix OS. The unstable branch. It sounds scary, but it's really not. And yeah. not, not, not because the software is not unstable. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I mean, this is new, fresh stuff, right? Yeah, but whatever. Arch does this all the time, and people never complain about it. But NixOS does it better. And the reason why is because if some package busts up your system, revert, reboot, use the previous generation. So every time you make a system change and you do the NixOS switch command, I forget what yep, it is. the rebuild but switch. You, you, you type, yeah. yeah, there it is. Um, you type that in, you reboot, you have a new generation. So think of this as like the kernels in your grub. It, it, yep, very much show up that way. But this is basically like, well, you made a configuration change, so now we have a new generation. Yep. So if the unstable branch software breaks your thing, don't worry about it. Reboot, choose the last generation. Everything's back to normal. That is atomic. So you have all these different versions of the software basically already in your system. And when you choose that generation, it just links up to all that stuff and says, oh, well, this is what he wants to use this time. So boot into that. Yeah. That's atomic. And you can clean this up, right? Like, because I ended up with like 10 generations. <laughs> and I mean, the yeah, they previous have like garbage collection tools yes. built in. The collector's fantastic. Use that thing. When you know you got a stable generation, you know that you're good to go. You can use that little garbage collector, take out all the trash. The last yep. time I did Hoover that, it right saved up. me like, yep. yep, it saved me like 1.2 gigs of space. Yeah. So, you know, you do want to run it sometimes. You don't want to go yeah. crazy with it because, you know, you never know. You might run into some kind of issue or whatever. So keep the last two or three. Yeah, probably. But, but it's good to get rid of some of the old stuff that, you know, you'll never use again. Um, so I know I went to the newest kernel. I went to 5.15. It was, yeah, uh, 5.11. Yeah. It was 5.11. Um, uh, I'm sorry, 5.15.11, uh, versus what was the current is 5.15.14. So a little, a little behind, not, not too much. I think it's about two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, and then Dan, you were on the LTS, yes. which was 5.10.81. And as of the recording, uh, the current is 5.10.91. So that might only be a couple of weeks behind, too, really, honestly. Right, right. The other thing. Mm -hmm. I installed Discord, and it was like, nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You ran yeah. into that one. Yeah. So don't forget, and you have to do it two ways. If you're doing NixEnv, you have to set the environmental variable. If you're doing the uh, the system-level Nix configuration thing, you have to yep. set it inside of there, too. But you have to set the ability to install unfree software unfree. and the environmental variable is nix pkgs underscore allow underscore unfree and you set that to one and that'll allow you to install you know wonky things like uh discord right so but that's that's it i mean i had a really good time with it gnome, gnome was more performant than any other gnome i've ever used before in my entire life i'm i'm not i'm not a i'm not a foe of the declarative language that Nix uses to configure your system. I'm not either. Um, yeah. it, but it, but it does. You, you do have to step back. I mean, every change that you make yep. that you want to stay, you really do have to have to think about it. You have to step back and realize that you can't just go in and mess with that configuration file. You really got to go into that into uh, configuration.nix, and you have to define how you want your system to handle that one little thing. So 
it's a more thoughtful distro. You do put a lot more thought into it, and like I was saying, it's uh, less um, in in the moment, right? Uh, sort of, yeah, you're right. Sort of thing. Like I, I just want to change this quick thing and be done with it, or you know, install this piece of software over here and and just you know move on. No, you got to think about it a little bit because there's yeah, some, I mean, there could be like, some uh, consequences. Uh, yeah, I, I play around with uh, SSH and, you know, good yep. rule of thumb. Oh, is yeah, if you, there's if, a good one. If, if you want to be secure, you don't want SSH listening on 22. You want it to be listening on something else. So in a normal system, you can just go to the configuration file of SSH, swap that out, restart SSH, done and done. But in Nix, nope, configuration yeah. file.nix, you config. have to declare yep. SSH. You have to, uh, you know, you have to set that up there. You have to do your, um, what did you say it was, Nix dash uh, whatever switch? Rebuild switch yep next rebuild rebuild switch and then reboot and then choose the latest generation and then boot it up and then now ssh is behaving the way you want it to but yeah so it's much more thoughtful absolutely there's benefit to that in that it's reproducible right reproducible and it blows up it's easy to set it back up so it's atomic how much thoughtful, how how thoughtful are you going to be in the future, Dan? And by that I mean, are you going to keep Nix around? Well, I'm 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 glad I know it exists and I'm glad I had the experience, let me put it that way, because I do see value in it. Um, but I am probably not gonna keep it around. And here's why. Like on my laptop, like I do test a lot of different things and I do wanna just just it, like, if it blew up, it's, like, no big deal. I just reinstall and be done with it. And, like, not a lot of data there because I'm storing it either on NextCloud or someplace else, and I'm just pulling it in when I need it anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, reinstalling and, and whatnot is not a big deal there. So, for for me, on that machine, definitely no. I could see some value um, having a workstation that you could totally rebuild on an instant you know, but I'm probably not going to keep it. No. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm not too far away from you. I, it has been an enjoyable experience. I don't think I actually use that word enjoyable with Linux distros because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually trying to get a, just trying to get a job done. Yeah. You know, like whether record video, edit, edit video, yeah. um, you know, surf some web, read some things, whatever it is. Right. But you know, it, it, Nick's OS presented me with a challenge, and I forgot how much I like challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for for in that particular vein, Nick's OS is is absolutely fantastic. It it made me sit back and think. I mean, I, I use the word thoughtful a bunch. That it's very true. You do have to think through what it is that you're doing because. You really have to you you have to declare it. You have to put it in this configuration file, and it has to be right. Otherwise, it'll yell at you, right? Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it does. Or, or it just won't work. But mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't think I'm going to wipe it immediately. Yeah. But I I don't think I'm going to stay with it long term. And it, and I don't think it's anything about Nix. I yeah, same. I I think it's it's the six month cadence thing, and I'm just not mm. brave enough to do unstable, even though. I know that I could just choose the previous generation and move back. Hmm. Um, you know, I I don't know. I'm not making a good case for not having it. Um, you, you, you're not. Like, I, I, <laughs> I can see this working well for you. Here's why yeah. I don't. Like, a, a lot of the enjoyment 
if you will, for me is doing the things on a whim and testing and making configuration changes and Mm, seeing what, you know, seeing how things react um, and um, wanting to, to know that stuff, like at least for all of the distros that we test and desktop environments and all of that. So that, that's the enjoyment for me. Yeah, maybe that's it, and I just can't articulate it, but NixOS is boring. And it's a good boring, though. It's a good boring. Yeah. I mean, once you understand how to put it together, you can put it together, and then it's just boring. Like, and it's, it's together, like every time. Yeah, it is what it is. So, I mean, take 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 what I'm saying not to mean that Nix is bad or it's unstable or right. anything like that, but... Man, once you put the files together, once you get the configuration the way you want it, there's no, there's no tinkering left to do. There is no tinkering. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> the Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to draw. We want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to Distro Hoppers Digest. So uh, here's mm. here's a crew that uh, tests way more distros than we do. Oh boy! And uh, they give their reviews after they've uh, tested them out, and uh, they it's good stuff. It's it's nice information. It's a super quick, I think, for as many distros as they do. It's a super quick podcast to get a bird's eye view of the good, the bad, and the ugly of a lot of distros in one shot. Yeah. So, sometimes they'll just do one distro each, but there's a lot of times where, um, so Moss is, uh, I, I feel like is one of the, it's got to be user friendly or it's just not going to work kind of, kind of folks. And and that's good. That's a good viewpoint, honestly. A- absolutely. So he'll go through a couple until he finds one that is, uh, that, that will install and it won't break the other systems right. on, on his machine. But then you also have, uh, Dale, who's a bit more adventurous, will try some BSDs here and there. Uh, will deep dive a little bit further into some of these distros, right. and then I feel like I feel like Tony is a little bit uh, He's somewhere a little in the middle, bit more middle of the road yep. of kind of in between all of those. But a lot of times you'll get uh, a a good handful of distros in in each of these podcasts, and it, it's just a good time if if you're if you're into listening to what all the distros have to offer, what they're onboarding experience is what the yeah. um you know what what it's like in the first 30 minutes then i i think you're really gonna dig this particular show yep so yeah if you like them a little more fast-paced i think that's your podcast yep i agree good stuff link in the show notes uh feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show actually i've got a couple of uh comments that i'll uh, uh you know from previous episodes that i'll uh, i'll discuss now real quick uh-oh. Um, one of them, Kyle, uh, commented and said, uh, you know, thanks for s- spending the time and discussing his, uh, software, you know, woes, if you will, on the oh, show. And, you're uh, welcome, absolutely. Kyle. no, like, uh, we had a good time discussing it and I think it was good for everyone. I don't know how much we helped, but we definitely talked about it. <laughs> yeah. So he, he said, uh, thanks for s- spending so much time on my adventures in software. So absolutely. You're welcome. I'd love to do it again. Um, keep them coming. Um, and Nate, Cubicle Nate, also Wait commented. Wait a minute. That guy, he <laughs> says, uh, for as long as OpenSUSE 
keep shipping Audacity in their repo, I will continue to use it. All right. So this was a response to the question that I asked in the previous episode about are you still using Audacity? He says the the project packagers have a similar style of tinfoil hat that uh, Leo wears. So there Uh, you go. Yeah. And I think that's true for, you know, Debian, Ubuntu, and probably Fedora. I think most of the distros are, you know, in line with that. So that's good. So follow-up question. Will you use the latest Audacity? So if, if if I gave you an app image, would you double click it on your system? Is the uh, is the real question? Send an email and uh, we'll talk about it on the show. Heck yeah! We love our patrons. Uh, thanks to everyone for all of your contributions. We truly appreciate your support. Um, if you want to join the other patrons, uh, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash Linux User Space. Uh, we have our Matrix Room, uh, Linux User Space Show slash Matrix. We have our Telegram group, uh, linuxuserspace.show slash Telegram. And if those chat platforms aren't enough for you, we also have our Discord server, linuxuserspace.show slash Discord. Please follow us on Twitter, at linuxuserspace, to get all the latest announcements for this show and for highlights for things that impact your user space. You can watch our faces on YouTube, uh, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. We also have our subreddit. LinuxUserspace.show slash Reddit, where we'll post little news articles and discuss them too. Lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. You can always get more information at our website, LinuxUserspace.show. It's time to focus. Huh. Mm. But if this show wasn't long enough, I think this uh, this particular app is apropos. <laughs> yeah, not apropos, though. That's a different application. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. We need, it, we need it to be small and short, and this application, if you didn't get it from the very beginning of the show, is TLDR. And yeah, so TLDR is kind of an internet thing, and it means too long, didn't read. So if you ever get that as a response to some long, drawn-out thing that you have typed out, it's because you typed out too much, and they did not read it. Yeah. You ever been in a situation where you need to figure out how a command works, but you do not want to spend the next five to ten minutes scrolling around in a man page? You want TLDR. So TLDR is an application that tells you about other applications. So for instance, if you want examples, not explanations for how to use an application, you want TLDR. So um, if if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, I want to use this YouTube DL thing, but I just don't know how to use it. uh, TLDR space YouTube dash DL. And TLDR will spit out a list of commands to use with YouTube DL with a quick a summary yeah, yeah, of like what that command does. One sentence summary, probably. And then, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I find this a really useful tool because, like, I know that's the command I want to use, but I don't always remember the switches that, that go at the end of it that, that I need yeah. to append so that I can get the thing I want the way I want it. 
Right. Like like we, we talk about a lot of applications. Like we've, we've talked about DU as in disk oh, yeah. usage. And if you're in a terminal and you know you need to use DU and you, you have access to be able to add in something like TLDR, then you can go TLDR space DU and it will literally just give you like five or six ways to use DU with a one sentence explanation right. of what that thing is going to do. Yeah. So when when you don't have time for the man page, you don't have time for the info page. You you just need to know how this works and you know, you don't want to spend googling. You don't you don't want to do that. TLDR is basically the Google of the command line. If you're in that situation where I don't need I don't need the extra. Just show me how to use it. Yep. I'm going to use that. That's TLDR. I so, find it to be great just to jog my memory of, you know, that's, oh, yep, that's the thing I need because I yep. totally forgot that, you know, dash H was human readable, not dash H was help or something, right? So, right. Because, like, it's all shorthand and it's easy to forget which thing you're referring to. So this this really sums it up nicely and uh, I find it very useful. Yeah, I feel like TLDR might be slightly more useful after you've kind of gotten used to the command line a little bit, yep. um, or you're not, you know, having to scratch your head about every little thing. Right. TLDR kind of kind of fills in the back end of that gap, where it's just like, oh yeah, you don't 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 forget. That's that's how you use that. That's that's how that works. So yeah, I'm gonna use it. Yep. TLDR use TLDR. All right. Next time on Linux User Space. We will uh, be discussing, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll be doing uh, topics because we're finishing up our, our distro. Sure enough. Also means we need to pick a new distro, Leo. And mm -hmm. um, we picked a tough one. Or did we? Oh, we're going to have to spend a lot of time. It's going to be thoughtful. No, Real let's thoughtful. let like we've done that the last couple, right? So <laughs> yeah, we decided yeah. we we're going to take it easy on ourselves a little bit. So take um, easy, man. We're going to do MX Linux. Let it ride. There it is. So I think it'll be enjoyable. Um, I've used it a couple of times uh, myself, so I'm I'm guess I'm sort of familiar. Ah, you've got experience. I've never used it before. Okay. Um, okay. But. And I and and you know for better or for worse whatever distro watch it's been number one it's been like number forever. one so I, I guess I it's guess about have time to? Yeah, yeah right it's about time it's about time we did MX Linux because it it's at least number one in somebody's heart right <laughs> and, and they did release not too terribly long ago I guess it was a few months ago now but you know we've been we've been trying to hit the distros shortly ish after they release so i think that falls in line nicely this thing could blow my hair back i don't know we'll see I, i'm excited i i do know they have some you know applications that they bundle and and put in there that are you know utilities if you will i'm ready to try them out so i'm i'm excited for you to try them thank you everybody for listening and for all your support so, Dan, where can we find you outside of here? You can find me at KC2BZ on Twitter. And you can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter as well. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space.
people like us that move around all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the other real benefit of it, right? Is that um, if you're okay with their six-month cadence, you choose your channel and then just pull down everything. Or you could just go to the Unstable channel and you want to. Yeah, I but guess you could. Y- you could just pull down those packages mm-hmm. from the Nix installer as a user without having to worry about using root privileges to do this or that or bork your system or anything like that. That's kind of the cool thing, too, yeah, because you can do it as a user. You don't have to do it on the, as a system. It's, it's already been tinkered. So, I know. Yeah. Maybe 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 we do agree on that. Maybe it is the snap things that I'm missing. Like, oh, I just want to try this out real quick. Or, uh, you know, I want to install this, uninstall this, and yeah. try this out and see if this breaks or anything. Um, Nix just doesn't break. I mean, No, it does not. If, if you get the config right, it just it doesn't break. So, yeah. So, it, it's going to be touch and go, I think, with, with Nix. I'm not a hard yes and I'm not a hard no, but I have a feeling... I won't keep it, but man, the fact that GNOME runs so good, it's just really hard yeah. for me to wipe no, it. It, it all ran really well. Because it kind of makes me, it kind of makes me want to use GNOME, and, sure. and I'm not a very, I'm not a huge GNOME fan either. But the fact that it's not stuttery and chunky, I like it. I like it a lot more now. <laughs>